Hey, everybody, it's Andrea. Before we start today's show, I have a super quick announcement to share with all of you. Beginning in April, I'm going to be launching a series of college to career live weekend boot camps to help graduating seniors as well as juniors who are confused about what jobs or careers they might want to pursue when they graduate. So imagine going from confused to confident with at least three different career options you'd be psyched to explore by the end of day one of the boot camp. And then learning the tools, tactics, and the strategies to find those jobs by the end of day two. The boot camp is live and it's led by me over Zoom. And you can learn more about it at College to Career Academy. That's college, the number two, career dot academy. Or you can just look me up on LinkedIn and check out the featured section of my LinkedIn page. I can't imagine a better graduation gift for the college students in your life. Thanks so much for listening, and I know you're going to enjoy my next incredible guest. Hi there, I'm Andrea Koppel, and it's time for coffee, the podcast where you get to hear firsthand what the jobs and careers that interest you the most are really like. Hey there, Java junkies. Welcome to another K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. By the way, K-Cups come in three sizes, single, double, and triple shots, or roughly one minute, five minutes, or 10 minutes in length. So if you don't have time to throw back an entire caffeinated career conversation, these K-Cup mini episodes of T4C can give you a quick caffeinated fix, whether you're on the go or you only have a few minutes to binge. So grab your mug and take a chug, because it's time for a caffeinated career triple shot K-Cup with my guest, Jonathan Javier. So how and when did rejection become your redirection into the tech industry? Yeah. So right when that happened, when I was getting rejected by Deloitte and Goldman Sachs, all these companies, I was like, okay, let me go try to actually work for a tech company. Even though I came from that background, non-target, non-traditional background, let me just try because I have nothing to lose, but everything to gain. And that's the perspective that I had. And so what I would do is I would then go reach out to alumni from Google, from Snap, et cetera. But then I went to a non-target school, so not a lot of alumni were there. What I actually did was utilize LinkedIn, was able to find the recruiters and hiring managers on LinkedIn, and I directly reached out to them. And by directly reaching out to them, I was able to get my foot in the door. And that's when I got the interview. And I knew for a fact I had to crush the interview. And I did. So what was your message? What did you say in those direct messages to the recruiters and the hiring folks at, at those tech companies? Yeah, it's pretty crazy because the recruiter at Snap, so quick background, but I actually kept in contact with her from March 2017. That was our first interaction all the way until August, 2017, which is crazy, right? It's literally five, six months. Yeah. So I, the first message I sent her was literally like, Hey, Shannon, I, I love a job at snap. Let's connect. She didn't respond. Right. But then I realized these hiring managers and recruiters, the way that they speak to you 
is you have to show them that you're a qualified candidate. So what I did was I instead changed it. I was like, hey, Shannon, uh, you know, thanks for connecting. I appreciate it. You know, I saw your recruiting for this role at Snap. I believe my experiences in XYZ fit the table or fit this role. I'd love to discuss in regards to that. And then I also send my resume. What will happen is they'll be like, oh, wow. Like she was like, oh, I would love to chat with you in regards to this position. And that's when I was able to get on the phone with her because she knew I was a qualified candidate for the role. That's so interesting. Now, how... I'm just thinking if if I'm a young listener right now and there may well be hundreds of them or thousands who listen and then they all start reaching out to poor Shannon at Snap. Is that (laughs) is that avenue going to be a dead end or are there so many recruiters that actually they like it when you reach out to them with a really targeted message the way you did the second time? Great question. So there's two different parts of this. Yeah. So number one, if you know that this is the recruiter for the role you're interested in and that you qualify for, definitely go in for the ask because what's happening is the recruiters will, for example, source the people that they're interested in interviewing. So they'll use LinkedIn, they'll use whatever, like ZipRecruiter, et cetera, and they'll go source the people that they want to interview. But imagine you being that person who does the job for them because you are that qualified candidate where they don't have to, for example, go interview a bunch of people, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why you should try that approach. But if you consider like, for example, like let's say a university recruiter at SAP, they probably get hit up by a bunch of people who are also students that are trying to get a job. How you stand out, like I mentioned before, is what are you doing that nobody else is doing? What I did for SNAP was I made a project utilizing geolocation technology, which SNAP used, and I gave it to my recruiter and my hiring managers so they could see that I've already done their whole entire system. That's how I actually got the job. So you basically auditioned. Basically, I auditioned. It's crazy. This story, everybody like is mind blown about this story because when I had my final round, I had a case study, I crushed it. And the hiring managers looked at each other like, how did you know this whole entire case study? I bought a yellow folder from Dollar Tree because Snap is yellow. I put my resume and my business cards in there and my project and I gave it to them. I pulled it out of my chair. I put it on the desk and I was like, I already did your whole project. And you watched every single YouTube video that Snap had. Exactly. And, and you were able to play it back to them during that interview. Yep. 100%. And that's why they were so impressed. They're like, wow, nobody's ever done this. I got the offer a few hours later. And I think the person who gave you the offer said she'd never seen an offer turn around that quickly. Fastest offer that they've ever had. I think it was about an hour or even 30 minutes. It was so quick. It was crazy. (laughs) Amazing, Jonathan. So what do you think it is about the non-target school graduates? Do you think it is a disconnect in their mindset? The idea that, well, because these companies are not recruiting at my school, that means I'm not qualified to apply. Do you think that's the big disconnect? Yes, I think the mindset part is very important because sometimes the difference between non-target schools and target schools like the Ivy League schools of the world is simply opportunities. 
The biggest turn on target schools, you have to make those opportunities come into fruition, whether it's in regards to proactive recruiting, meaning reaching out to people or reactive recruiting, having people reach out to you as a candidate for them, for you to work at their company. And the mindset part, why I stress the mindset is, is because people think that they're not good enough to work in these companies when in fact they are. And then when they join the companies, they exhibit imposter syndrome where they're like, oh, like I shouldn't even belong here because nobody comes from my background. That's how I felt when I was at Google. But that's why consulting started to bridge that gap between those schools. And I think the other part, so to your point, it's not just being at a non-target school, graduating from a non-target school, but it's having that non-traditional background. And by that, you mean what? Yeah. Non-traditional background can be many different things. For example, if you're a first-generation student, if you've been through challenges and obstacles throughout your life that you've overcome, all those different things are non-traditional. A lot of the traditional backgrounds is, for example, like I was never able to call my uncle and be like, hey, Uncle Joe, could you give me a job at Google? And he says, yes, right? (laughs) So that's kind of the unconventional, non-traditional background that people come from is that they build their networks from the ground up and that's how they're able to get into their careers. Yes. And let's talk about what happened to you at Snap. You were hired there in August of 2017 as a product user ops operations specialist. Is that right? Correct. Mm -hmm. Okay. And you loved it. And eight months later, curveball. Mm -hmm. That's right. Unfortunately, our team got outsourced. And I kind of had a feeling because it was just Snap wasn't doing too well. And this was actually right after IPO. So I was preparing the whole time to move. That's why I consistently started networking with people in tech, just to make sure that I was okay if they outsourced us, which they did. And I guess that explains why by April, a month after you left Snap, you landed your next job in tech at Google in sales strategy and product operations. So how did you do that, Jonathan? Yeah, so... What I did was utilize LinkedIn, my favorite thing, right? So actually I was working at Boeing for a month. I was on a contract role, but I just did it for a month to provide for my family and for just for expenses. But what I did was I made a LinkedIn post that strategically was about me getting outsourced at Snap. I noticed that nobody else was posting about it. So I was the first one to post. And then what happened was my recruiter at Google actually reached out to me and asked me if I was interested in a role. And then I was able to get into the system because that recruiter reached out, basically reactive recruiting. And that's how I was able to work at Google in strategy and operations. Incredible. And you only stayed there, though, a year and three months. I want to ask you why you left in a second. But you also said Mm -hmm. when you were at Google, you were... I guess, looking around and feeling some imposter syndrome or were you feeling, gosh, why are there not more people who look like me or who have a similar background to me? Is that what you were feeling or put it into your own words? Yeah, I was definitely feeling the imposter syndrome. I was surrounded by people that didn't look like me or didn't come from my background. And I was like, wow, do I actually belong here? So that's one of the parts that I exhibited and which affected me there. 
but it was an amazing experience. Another thing as well, I was working on consulting at Google and I felt like I couldn't balance the two. So I was like, okay, what role can I go into that I can more so be able to balance both my side hustle that became my main hustle with my actual day-to-day job. And that's why I basically took that turn to leave. Nice, because you actually, as you said, you founded OneSulting. Really, I think it was just very soon after you joined Google. You that's stayed right. at Google for a year and three months. And in December of 2019, you joined Cisco. And I believe your title was go-to-market strategy and ops. Was that what you felt you could do maybe with one arm tied behind your back? Is that what you were thinking? <laughs> or that it would it would really tie into more of what you were thinking in terms of one salting? Yeah. So my idea was to work in every industry. So software startup, software, startup, and hardware, and then learn about how they recruit. And that's how I implemented it all into consulting because I know how they specifically recruit students and professionals, et cetera. Another thing as well, the Cisco role had a lot in regards to remote work. So I did a lot of remote work from my house, my home, and that's how I was able to do both Cisco and consulting at the same time. And that was a main differentiator or a main indicator that I was going to do that role. And that was before or was that after the coronavirus started? Because you only left Cisco in August of 2020. Yeah, that was all. So what happened was at Cisco, I actually got affected by COVID-19 layoffs. But they kept me on until like August because I think honestly, they kept me on because I just made LinkedIn content. I was only Cisco employee making LinkedIn content. So I was kind of growing their brand at the same time. But yeah, I mean, it was a great experience there. I was only there for about a year and a month. They wanted me to come back. But then I was like, I'm just going to start Wonsulting full time. It's been growing like crazy. So I might as well, right? Thanks for tuning in to this K-Cup mini episode of Time for Coffee. If you want to listen to our entire caffeinated career conversation, please check out the show notes for this episode. Thanks so much for listening to Time for Coffee, where the professionals in the jobs that most interest you always have time to grab coffee 24-7, no matter where you live. I have one quick favor to ask you. Remember to rate, review, and subscribe to Time for Coffee. Thanks so much. 